When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into business. The FIFA World Cup this morning. Brazil, unbelievable. 4-1 against South Korea. All four Brazilian goals were scored in the first half. That's the first time they've done that since 1954. They had the foot on the gas for the first half. They took it off for the second. But throughout their first 45 minutes, it was Brazil at their best. Cleared off by Kim Jong-Guan. Neymar bounces the ball off his head <laughs> two, three times. Like it was Richarlison. Cut back, Richardson's in behind. Oh, my word. That is Brazilian beauty. Quick passing around the box. Intricate in, out, front, back. Richardson, one-on-one with the keeper. He escaped behind the defence. They didn't know where he was, and he just struck the past. Brazil 3, South Korea 0. Yeah, Richarlison with that one. So that made it 3-0. Neymar also scored along the way. They had a celebration dance, which the Brazilian coach dived into as well. And a lot of people saw that as disrespectful to the opposition doing the jig in the middle of a match. All four goals in the first half. And then, like I said, they took the foot off the gas, so to speak, in the second half. And at the end of it all, Brazilian players were holding a Pelé banner. Um, post-game. Obviously, Pelé is sick at the moment. He's been taken to, uh, well, an end-of-life care hospital. So there's a lot of emotion around that one, and that's the kind of performance that would have put a smile on the great Pelé's face. So more to play out on that. Croatia in the earlier game won against Japan. It finished one all, but they won in penalty shootout 3-1. So it went down to the nervous Nellies for the back end of this game. Japan miss out on their first ever quarterfinal appearance at a World Cup. They were on the verge. And it's Croatia's third consecutive World Cup shootout victory. Japan with the first penalty take. It'll be Takumi Minamino against Dominic Livakovic. Minamino on the right foot. And it's been saved by Dominic Livakovic. Kaoru Mitoma, next up for Japan. Right-footed strike, and it's been saved again by Livakovic. He has guessed right again. So it's 2-1 in the shootout after three each. Here's Mai Yoshida, the captain of Japan. It's been saved by Dominic Livakovic. Mario Pasalic steps up against Gonda, and he's put it down the left side. And Croatia are through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, so they go through 3-1 winning that penalty shootout in Japan, exit the tournament. So tomorrow, the final games in the round of 16, Morocco v Spain, that's the 2 a.m. start, then Portugal v Switzerland at 6 a.m. The quarterfinals so far, well, this is how it reads. Saturday morning at 2 o'clock, Croatia v Brazil. Then at 6 o'clock, Netherlands versus Argentina. Then we go into Sunday morning. The 2 a.m. match will be the winner of Morocco-Spain against the winner of Portugal-Switzerland. So that's the only spot to be decided in the quarters. And then Sunday at 6 a.m., I'll tell you what, SBS will be rubbing their hands at this one as well. Another 6 a.m. big audience, England versus France. Who's your World Cup favourite now? After Brazil did what they did this morning against South Korea, uh, after Argentina did what they did against us, the blockbuster between England and France. 
Then, of course, we've got Morocco, Spain, Portugal, Switzerland still standing. So let me know who your cup favourite is as we get towards the quarterfinals. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And why? Educate me this morning. If I'm going to have a $10 bet on who's going to win the World Cup and I need some returns, let me know who I should go for and I'll gamble responsibly. Cricket. The second test in Adelaide, as we know, starts Thursday, so it's the day-nighter. The big talk around Pat Cummins. Quad strain. Uh, look, he'll be given until Thursday to make a call, and that's part of, well, part of that reason is because he's the skipper. Do they risk him now with the South African series and the rest of the st- uh, summer still ahead, or do they just pull the pin already? The series against the West Indies, it's a dead rubber. So by virtue of winning the first test, and holding the Frank Worrell Trophy, we keep the Frank Worrell Trophy regardless of what happens in this second test. And the way that Paddy Cummins was struggling, even though he said, I reckon I'll be 50-50, you got to think he's about 10-90 at the moment. And whether or not he can convince them to put him into the side, but what's the point of having Paddy Cummins there if he can't bowl properly? So the bowling replacement options. Now, we... Brought you this story yesterday and put the names on the table yesterday. And I said to you, remember this name, Lance Morris. What do the Aussies do here? Remember this. It's going to be a pink ball test. It's a day-nighter. The thing will be jazzing around all over the place and it'll be swinging like crazy. So Lance Morris is the new wild thing. Our last one was Sean Tate. Drafted into the squad along with Michael Nisa. He's the 24-year-old Western Australian. Bowls at around 150 clicks per hour. He's played 18 first-class games for 58 wickets at an average of 25. But importantly, his progression throughout Sheffield Shield over the last three seasons has been on the rise. In his first season, he took 12 wickets. Then he took 22 last summer. This summer, he's the leading wicket-taker with 29 at an average of 18. He's an outside chance of making it in this Australian squad and replacing Paddy Cummins, an outside chance. In fact, he actually didn't really see the call coming from the Australian cricket selectors and the team management when they picked up the phone and said, get on the plane, you need to come to Adelaide. Here's Lance Morris on Nine News. Genuine surprise, yeah. I'd struggled to even pack my kit bag, to be honest. Yeah, I've been clocked 150 quite a few times now, so I think that we can actually lock that in. Honestly, the way things have happened the last 24 hours, you never know. <laughs> He's head spinning. I mean, imagine trying to pack your bags and head over to Adelaide because you don't know. And like he said, he, he didn't even, he certainly wasn't expecting the phone call, so anything could happen from here on in. So he's one option. Michael Neese is another option. The main option will be Scott Boland, who's rock solid. He's 33 years old, so he's nine years older than Lance Morris. He was man of the match, of course, in the Boxing Day test against England last summer, where he took six for seven in the second innings and became a cult hero like that. He then took seven wickets in Sydney. He took another four in Hobart. So 18 wickets in his three test matches at an average of 9.55. He's miserly, Scott Boland. And he just does not stop. He's just going to keep coming at him all day, every day. So here's the question. Do selectors go for the tried and tested in Scotty Boland? Or do they unleash the new wild thing in Lance Morris? Do the Australians need someone that can rattle the cage? We've got one of the best bowling lineups in the world. 
Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Lyons. They're always going to take wickets, and they took 20 to roll the West Indies. So it shouldn't be a problem. But what do you do now if you're the Australian selectors? Do you reward Scotty Boland for what he did in the English series last summer and know that you exactly what you're going to get? Or do you just go a little bit off kilter here and say, Lance, step up, son, and go for it. Rattle the cage. Which leads me to my question today for you, folks. I want to know who is our most fearsome Aussie athlete. If he's coming in at 150 k's an hour and they haven't seen much of him, regardless of how much cricket they've played and their history, etc., somebody's going to be scared. Let's face it. So if they're going to unleash the wild thing, someone that can rattle the cage, somebody who's a fearsome Aussie athlete, why don't we go to our memory lane and let me know our most fearsome Australian athletes, any sport. I mean, obviously we can start with cricket, binger. Brett Lee, no way in the world would you step in front of him. Piers Morgan looked like an absolute idiot when he did and almost ended up in the back of an ambulance. And he's no cricketer. Now, there are plenty of cricketers who've stood in front of Brett Lee and gone, no thanks, I don't want to be part of that. Mitchell Johnson, well, there were plenty of English who didn't want to be part of that. In fact, uh, one of them jumped on the plane and went home. He terrorised England in 2013. Talk about fearsome Jeff Thompson. He's called for Lance Morris to get in. He used to bowl at 160 kilometres per hour. Talk about the fear factor for Tomo. And then we go into other sports. Rugby league. Who's your most fearsome rugby league player? The Axe used to cut him in half. Les Boyd. Well, not everything was above board there on that one, obviously, but certainly fierce and the chief. You know, his battles with Spud. Then you've got Cement, David Gillespie. I mean, outside of our circles, Adrian Morley. Easily one of the most feared athletes in rugby league. And I think of somebody like, you know, our boxers in particular, Jeff the Hitman Harding, Jeff Fennick, obviously. Rob Whitaker scares the pants off me. I mean, he's in the UFC circles. This guy's tough as nuts. So who's our most fearsome Australian athlete. Let's have some fun with that one this morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line. If you'd like to jump on that and let me know who and why, and you're the best caller, Tommy will dig in, get you a Signet Power Bank, and we'll get it on its way out to you. Or you can text 0457 736 736. And still on cricket, England's win for the ages in Royal Pindi against Pakistan is something to behold. They won by 74 runs after declaring a tee on the second last day. So they set Pakistan 343 to win in four sessions. They needed 10 wickets. Pakistan needed 343 in four sessions on a, on a road. I mean, clearly it was a road. When I run through the scores, you'll see how many runs were scored uh, on this Royal Pindi pitch. So the light's fading. It goes down to the wire. They decided to keep the old ball before switching to the new one really late. Extraordinary scenes as they all crowded around the pitch. And here's how it unfolded with England getting a win for the ages. Oh, close to going back onto his stumps. England have used up a review. Impact is in line, uh, Joel, and it's hitting the wickets. England have their sixth wicket and they will be into the bowlers. Game on. Oh, is it carried? I think it has carried, what a catch. Two in two overs, brilliant catch, brilliant work from England. Oh, brilliant from Pope, quite brilliant. 
backside off the glove. Pope moves to his left and pulls off a stunner. Oh, out surely. Yeah, given. Anderson again. Four for Anderson. Nine for England. They are one wicket away. Oh, close. Very close. Given. Given, I'm sure he'll review, but given. England have won this test match. <laughs> Just incredible. Absolute, and you know what? We're talking about fearsome athletes this morning. Well, this team at the moment doesn't fear anybody or anything. The scorecard at the end of it, England 657 and seven declared for 264. Pakistan 579 and 268. 1,768 runs were scored in the match, which is the third highest aggregate in test match history. And it's the highest scoring five-day game in Test history. So it overtakes the 1764 scored by Australia and the West Indies in Adelaide back in 1969. That was a six-day match. There were five days of play, but they did have a rest day in between. So in terms of five-day games in Test history, that's the most runs scored. The two above it, I think they went one went over seven days and one possibly towards nine days. I mean, it's an extraordinary amount. And clearly, the pitch was just just sitting there waiting to be taken for runs. Seven centuries were scored, four by English players, three by Pakistan. It was England's first test appearance in Pakistan in 17 years, just their third win there in 25 attempts. They had Gastro go through the squad beforehand, so much so that the match was almost delayed because they weren't sure if they could field a starting 11. They were sending text messages around in the morning saying, are you all right? Are you all right? Can you go? The only one who ended up not playing was Ben Folkes, the regular wicketkeeper. Ollie Pope stepped in to fill in for him and also scored a century at number three. Will Jacks claim six wickets on debut? For captain Ben Stokes, it is now being called one of the greatest weeks of test captaincy ever seen. For coach Brendan McCullum, well, Baz Ball is well and truly at the forefront now, not just with the bat, but with the ball and with captaincy and decision-making as well. As one Twitter fan put it, for the English test team, we don't do draws. How good's that? Mark Waugh on Twitter said, McCullum and Stokes are changing the way test cricket is to be played. Courageous, fearless, positive mindsets gets them a win on the most docile surface. I don't think any other team in world cricket would have rolled the dice like that. Bring on the Ashes next year. So to Australia now, roll the dice with Lance Morris. Plenty to cover. Who's your favourite now for the FIFA World Cup? Should Australia unleash the new wild thing in Adelaide? And who do you think is our most fearsome Aussie athlete and why? There you go. That's the menu for today. You can have your say. Give me a call. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 The first caller through and our best caller today will win a Signet Boost Power Bank. Or you can text 0457 736 736 back after this break with your texts and calls on the morning show right here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney.